Well, hey, we are in 1 Peter, so you can turn there. But I'm going to start by telling you a little story first. Now, this is a story from a long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Well, I think that's Star Wars, but actually it is from a long, long time ago, um, like over 35 years ago, and not so far away. It actually takes place in West Bend, Wisconsin. So I was living for the first time out of my parents' house, and I was living in an apartment with two other guys that, I, that were friends of mine from the church that I attended. One of those guys was Leah Ott's dad before Leah was ever thought about, and the other guy was a guy named Jeff. And uh, we knew each other from church, we were in a small group together, and they wanted a roommate, and they say, hey Mark, you want to you wanna come live with us? I said, great. So we lived together, I actually lived with Gary in multiple different apartments around West Bend over a span of like over three years, three or four years. But the first apartment, Gary and myself and Jeff lived in it together. And matter of fact, this apartment was a second story, super old house, we had the second story of it, and my bedroom was a closet that was converted by the landowner into landlord into a, uh, a bedroom. It was not a bedroom. It was a walk-in closet. Matter of fact, there wasn't enough room for a bed. So they built a camper-sized bed, like a little thing, into the wall and put a little mattress on there. And that was my bedroom in this first place. And uh, we lived in that, in, in, in that place. And so for over a year, the three of us lived together um, and then Jeff announced to us that he was going to get married. So our situation was going to change. And that we knew that he would be moving out and that we would just look to find another roommate. And my deal was that we would find somebody who was dumb enough to sleep in a little tiny closet and I'd get a real bedroom. That was the plan. Well, I was at that time, as a, as a brand new believer, I've only been saved for a little while. I was reading my Bible, dangerous thing to do. I was reading my Bible, and I was reading through the book of Philippians. And I was reading how Jesus says in Philippians 2 that we ought to regard one another as more important than ourselves. And I was reminded as I was reading, just in that moment, I can, I can envision it, sitting on the couch, reading my Bible, and I real, thought about the fact that my friend Jeff and his bride-to-be had some issues in their lives with some custody stuff, and that they had restrictions on where they could live and where our house was they could live in, and they were having a really hard time finding a place to live. And so I went and talked to Gary, and I said, you know what, instead of Jeff moving out, why don't we move out? We'll go try to find another place. Now think of that. Two single guys going to go find some landlord, and we're gonna get, we end up getting a third single guy, try to get a landlord to rent to us. That's not the easiest thing in the world. But um, I said, what do you think? And, and so... He said, yeah, and so we moved out, and we did. We found another place in town, and we had a guy move in there, and then we moved out of that place, and got another guy and lived in that place. And so um, we moved out of our apartment so that he could stay there, and his new bride could come in, and they could have their family start out, their marriage start out there in that location. You say, okay, Pastor Mark, what's the big deal with the story? Why? It shows, this is what the story shows, how Scripture can... And I'd say this, should affect how we live. It should affect how we make decisions. In this situation, I read about how being Christ-like, Jesus said, put others' needs in front of our own. And it led me to make a real-life decision that I should actually move out of an apartment um, that I really didn't need to. And who knows that moving is fun, right? Moving is fun, right? 
Now, it's much easier when you're single, but moving is never fun, and that we should do that, I should move and Gary should move, in order to help someone else out. Well, that's how it's supposed to work for us as Christians, that we have the gift of God's Word, the gift of the Bible, to help shape us and guide us and to inform us, that it's a gift from God. It's how we learn about Jesus. It's how we learn about salvation. It's how we learn about learn a proper worldview. It's how we learn about heaven and hell. It's how we learn about marriage. It's how we learn about sexuality. It's how we learn God's perspective on this world that he created. We learn it through his word. Today what we're going to do, as we look in First Peter together, we're going to look at a section of the word of God that speaks about the word of God. Kind of interesting, right? We're going to look at what the Word of God has to say really about itself. And as we read it, the text we're going to read today, I want you to notice what it says about God's Word. That's what I want you to pay attention to. And I'm going to be reading today a little longer section of Scripture than we have been as we've been going through First Peter. And I have to do this today because if I don't read the whole section, we won't get the big picture. And if we don't get the big picture, we'll miss the heart of what Peter's really trying to, to say here. We'll kind of focus on the details and miss the big picture. So in 1 Peter chapter 2, we're going to read the first eight verses. So verse Peter chapter 2, let me read for you and follow along verses 1 through 8. And remember, you're, you're paying attention to what does Peter have to say about the word of God. Verse 2 chapter 1, therefore, putting aside all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander... Like newborn babies long for the pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation, if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. Have you tasted the kindness of the Lord? Okay, so it's written to you. Verse 4. And coming to him as to a living stone, which has been rejected by men, but is choice and precious in the sight of God, you also as living stones are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For this is contained in the scriptures. Behold, I lay in Zion a, a choice stone, a precious cornerstone. He who believes in him will not be disappointed. This precious value then is for you who believe, but for those who disbelieve, the stone which the builders rejected, this became the very cornerstone and the stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. For they stumbled because they were disobedient to the word. And to this doom they were also appointed. Now, did you notice the big picture of what Peter is saying here? He's writing about our engagement with and our response to God's word in our lives and what will we result in our lives, if, if based on how we respond to the Word of God. So let me kind of do something. Let me kind of outline this section. I've had to do this a lot in First Peter. I don't want you to have to say this, but outline this for you a bit so that you can, so that you can see what Peter's getting at and you can understand what I'm, what I'm trying to get at today. In verse 2, look at verse 2. It's a statement about the value and the necessity of God's Word, the Scriptures. Verse 2. Like newborn babies, long for the pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow in respect to your salvation. Then verses 4 through the beginning of verse 8 is an application of Scripture. Like I did with the Philippians text when I moved out of my apartment, here we have um, Peter saying, and the Scriptures teach us this. 
And in this case, he's quoting from the Old Testament. And he's quoting here. And he's basically saying, here's what you can know about Jesus. And when you cut to know Jesus, here's what happens in your life. And then in verse 8, the second half of it, it's a statement about the results of not listening to what the scriptures say. For they stumble because they were disobedient to the word. And to this doom, they were also appointed. See, now the only way we can see what Peter is saying here is by looking at this full section and seeing it's in its completeness. Now, with that thought in mind, that outline in mind, let's see what Peter has to say about God's word relating to our lives. The first thing I want us to notice before we get into the details about God's word, because it's tied to God's word, is I want us to not pass over verse 1. Because that would be so easy to do when you see the outline. It'd be easy to pass over verse 1 and miss something really important that Peter is saying. Um, In verse 1, Peter is giving us a really important instruction on how to receive the word of God well. Look at verse 1. Therefore, putting aside all malice and all deceit and all hypocrisy and envy and all slander. He says, then like newborn babies receive the word. What's he dealing with here? He's dealing here with the condition of our hearts. Basically saying that in order to receive the word of God like a newborn baby, which he talks about in verse 2, we have to deal with the things of our heart that could get in the way. Get in the way of really hearing. Get in the way of really receiving what God has to say to us in his word and to us through his word. If my heart is full of envy, think of that, he says envy and deceit and these things, hypocrisy. If my heart is full of envy and deceit, here's the reality. I'm probably going to be closed off to what God is trying to say to me in his word. If I'm stone cold and God's trying to say something to me, I'm not receiving what he has to say to me. If my heart is hard, the words of scripture or the sermon that's preaching scripture will probably have very little chance of penetrating my heart, right? We all know that's true. I know that if I'm in a bad place, um, I'm, I'm angry, I'm frustrated, I'm, I'm, I'm any of the things he says, I'm full of deceit and hypocrisy. When God's word comes to me, I, it, it, I, I, I tend to want to shut it out. And Peter's saying, don't do that. You know, we know this, that this is true. So Peter tells us, he tells Christians, ones who have, been sanct- have the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit going on inside of them. He said that earlier in the letter. You have God's Spirit working inside of you. He tells us to get rid of the junk that can keep us from hearing and responding to the Word of God. And I want you to hear something today. Because you go, well, that sounds hard. This text is incredibly good news. Because you know what it says? Because it shows, he just says, Mark, do it. John, do it. That means something. It means I can do it. That's what it means. He didn't say, you know, maybe if it's possible, try to put aside these things from your heart. He doesn't say that at all. He says, Christians, do this. Before you're going to receive the word of God, do this. He's saying you're able. Why? Because the Spirit's working inside of you. You have God working in you, and you can say, God, by the Holy Spirit, I want this junk, I want to put this junk aside. That we're not slaves to sin anymore. That's what we learn when we come to Christ. That we are not slaves to sin anymore. We have the Holy Spirit helping us to mature and to grow and to get better. And Peter's saying, hey, here's some of the ways you can do it to receive the word. Let's deal with the junk in your heart. 
So Peter starts off telling us to have our hearts in a receptive position to get rid of the junk. And look what he says next about God's word. Look at verse 2. Like newborn babies, long for the pure milk of the word so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. Look what he does here. Like newborn babies, long for the pure milk of the word. We can say the pure milk of God's word. That's what he's referring to. What's Peter doing here? He's painting a word picture that every one of us can relate to. A little baby wanting to get fed. You know what I was going to do for this? But I thought I didn't have it because you could imagine it. I was going to go uh, a couple weeks ago and take a camera and I was going to film the babies in the nursery. I'm going to have to pinch them and make them cry, but I want them to, I wanted them to cry. You'd see that. I wouldn't have pinched your babies. You know. And then have somebody feed them. That's the word picture he's, he's, he's painting here. But I think we can all imagine that, right? What that's like. You know what it's like to have a little baby holding in your hands and it wants to be fed. Nothing will satisfy that little baby. You take a little baby who wants to be fed, you take the rattle. Come on, Junior, look at the rattle. How long does that last for? Four seconds. Right? When the baby wants to get fed, nothing else will satisfy it. Peter is saying, I want you to have that kind of desire for the Word of God. Why? Why desire God's Word? A lot of us desire other things like that. You cry and you cry and you cry and you cry till you get it. You know it's how we live our lives. I got to have that thing. I got to have that promotion. I've got to have that. I've got to have that. That's how we live. I'm just desiring like a baby wanted a bottle. I'm going to go after it. Peter's saying, well, listen, I want you to have that kind of desire for God's Word. Why? Because it will cause you to become who God has made you to become. It will cause you to grow and mature spiritually. Just like a baby grows when it drinks milk, we grow, we mature as we engage with the Word of God. Friends, we don't have to be the smartest person in the room to know what is right and what is wrong in an ever-changing world. We just need to be taught and transformed by God's Word. That we have the wisdom of God given to us. God has given us His wisdom. This isn't just some book, the Bible. It is God's gift to us. I think we need to ask ourselves, are we looking to it? Are we looking to God and His Word in order to understand our world and our lives? Are we allowing the Word of God to direct our paths, to shape our views? Peter says it's the way to grow. God's word is the resource, the main resource that God uses to form um, us Christians in Christ's likeness and inform us as to a right, a right world view. He uses his word. Peter's not alone with that thought. The apostle Paul said something very similar in his letter he wrote to his young apprentice Timothy, his young pastor friend Timothy. This is what he wrote to him in 2 Timothy chapter 3. All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man and woman, the person of God, may be adequate, equipped for every good work. What's he say the word of God is good for? It teaches us. It forms us. It reproves us. Do you think you ever need to be reproved or corrected? I do. So do you. Debbie doesn't have to. I do. Gary does. 
We need to be reproved and corrected. We need training in righteousness, right? Paul is agreeing with Peter. He's saying, where does that come from? It comes from our interaction with the Word of God, that we are formed by the Word of God. Let's think about this. Are we being more formed by the Word of God? Let's be honest with ourselves. Remember, you can lie to me all day long, but I don't want you to lie to yourself. Are we being more formed by the Word of God or by social media? Are we being more formed by God's Word or by the opinions of our social circles? We just have groupthink because all we hear about is the same things our little same Facebook group says, and so we just repost the same thing, and that's how we come to believe what we do about whatever topic's going on. Are we being more formed by God's Word than by our political party? Friends, being formed in Christ-likeness crumbs from the inspired, living, and active Word of God. That's how we become who God has called us to become, through His Word. So Peter says, long for God's Word like a baby longs for milk. That's what he's trying to say. He's saying, listen, I love you so much. Long for the right thing in your life. Now it's the first statement that Paul makes about God's Word from this text. Let's look at the next verses. And see how he applies God's work. How we can learn to apply God's work into our thinking. He writes about, in his next section, verses 4 to 8, he writes about a man's need to come to Jesus. Really what he's writing about. That Jesus, he says, is like a living stone. So a living stone used to build stones to build things. He's like a living stone upon which the kingdom of God is built. And that if you accept Jesus, he becomes your Lord and Savior. That you too then become, he says, a living stone... And you become part of the building, part of the temple of God. And you become part of the activity of the kingdom of God. But then he says, but if you reject Jesus, if you stumble over him and reject him, you are not part of the kingdom building. You're not a living stone. You're not part of the holy priesthood. It's all about coming to Jesus as Lord and Savior and being included in his family and the activity of the Lord. That's what he's writing about in 4 through 8. Now, here's a question. How did Peter come up with that? How did Peter come up with this picture of Jesus as this living stone and of the spiritual house and the kingdom of God? How did Peter come up with that? How did he come up with those who come to Jesus as Savior are being included in the kingdom by the family? They become living stones. Where did that concept come from? Did he just dream it up? Was Peter just a really kind of imaginative, intuitive person and he, and he dreamed it up? No. Look at verse 6. What's verse 6 say? For this is contained in the scriptures. He says, this is how I know it. And then he goes on to quote from Isaiah the prophet and the Psalms. And a little side note here. You notice how in your text, so I'm not sure that your electronic ones do this, because I really do. So it sets it apart. It, it paragraphs it off. And you know why it's doing that? It's saying this is a quote. It's taking the Old Testament verses and bringing them into the New Testament. It's saying this comes from the Old Testament. And if you look underneath it, it'll say where it is. So it'll say this came from Isaiah 28, 16, and this came from Psalm 118, 22. He's quoting the Old Testament. He begins to quote from Isaiah and the Psalms. A little side note for a whole culture right now who's trying to discredit the Old Testament. He's quoting the Old Testament to say this is what God's word says. So he goes on to quote Isaiah and the Psalms. 
Peter is showing how Scripture informs him, Scripture informs us about the truth, in his case, the truth about our need for Jesus and being included into the, into the living reality of the kingdom of God. He's in the same stream of thought that he was from the verses before, looking for the truth of Scripture, like a longing for it, like a baby longs for milk. And the truth he's saying you should long for here that you learn from the Scripture is, Scripture says it's all about Jesus. It's all about us coming into the family of God through Jesus being included. He's applying what he just read to, um, from the verse in verse 2 to the rest of Scripture. and saying, long for it so you can become who God wants you to become. And he gives an example of it right here. He says, for instance, look at this is what we learned from Isaiah. This is what we learned from the Psalms. It shapes our understanding of who God is and how we become part of it. He says, the Scripture informs us in what we should believe about God himself. But then look what he does in verse 8, second half of it. Look at this. Some of you aren't going to like this because it doesn't fit in your worldview. But your worldview needs to be shaped by God and not by our current climate. He says, for they stumble. Who stumbles? They, why? Are disobedient to the what? To the word. And to this doom they were also appointed. He says, people stumble. He says, they stumble here over the truth that they need Jesus. Why? Because they do not obey, rather they deny the truth of God's word. Peter is just keeping the focus on our need to know and be informed by and shaped by God's word. He's saying through God's word is salvation and life and purpose. You come to know Jesus, be saved from sin and and involved in the priesthood, he says, in the work of the kingdom of God. He says, but by rejecting God's word, one misses it all. Instead of Jesus being a savior, he says, he becomes what? An offense and a stumbling block. You understand why people get so mad at you sometimes? You talk about Jesus. The word's telling you the truth here. Because if you reject the word of God, Jesus becomes an offense and a stumbling block. The word reveals, the word of God reveals the truth. So the question is, what do we do with the truth of God's word? What do you and I honestly do with the truths of God's word? Do we let it shape us and inform us? Mark, you ought to just move out of your apartment. Or do I say I know better, or sometimes I have my rights, and we go on our own merry way? Which way are we going to position our life to live this Christian life? Peter says, choosing our own way leads to doom. What a word. Doom on you. That's what he says. Leads to doom. I'm hoping we're seeing the priority Peter is placing on the word of God here. I hope so. I hope we um, are and are becoming a church filled with people who love God's word. The people who dedicated your kids today. I hope you understand. We gave you Bibles today to say, read the word of God to your children that we are a church that is being formed and transformed by God's word, that we are teaching our kids and our grandkids the word of God. And I want to say this, outside of the church as well as including them in the ministry that goes on in it. That every one of us spends time in God's word outside of here and outside of just me or somebody else preaching a sermon to you that you listen to as you're driving down the road. That's great. 
but I want you to inv- I want you to open up your heart and spend time in God's word. Now Peter had something to say about this, right? We saw Paul had something to say about this. I think we should end with the final exclamation point on listening to what somebody else has to say about this exact same thing. Turn your Bible back to the book of Matthew, the seventh chapter. The end of the greatest sermon ever preached by the greatest preacher to ever live on planet Earth, Jesus preaching the Sermon on the Mount about how you need to live a life. Do you want to sum the Sermon on the Mount up in one little phrase? It's about how you live a life of righteousness that comes from the inside and goes to the outside. He says, your righteousness should be more than that of the scribes and the Pharisees who lived it all on the outside. But inside he said they were dead. And the Sermon on the Mount is saying, if you get the inside right, you live with Jesus. You're a living stone integrated with Jesus. Your inside gets right. Your soul gets right. It'll display itself on the outside. And then Jesus comes to the end of his sermon. And my, my, he's going to say pretty much what Peter and Paul said. Maybe they heard it from somewhere else before they wrote it. Verse 24 of chapter 7. Therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine, the words of Jesus... An axe on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and it slammed against the house. And yet it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine, the word of God, and does not act on them, will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and slammed against that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. I think we ought to listen to a couple great men and the Son of God who says our position in life, our orientation in life should be like a bunch of hungry babies saying, I need the Word of God. You don't have to be the smartest person in the room because the, the wisdom of the universe is available to us. Our culture is becoming more and more and more confusing. And to navigate this thing, we need a, a, a good theology from the Word of God. We need to be people of the Word. And not just the little proof text you take out of context, but understanding the Word of God. Because it's going to help us become the people God wants us to become. And Jesus says, when all the difficulties of life come, and who knows there's a few difficulties in life. Right? Just a couple? Yes, a couple. A lot of times it feels like more than a couple. And if they feel like a storm and it's slamming against your life, what's Jesus say? If you build it on the word, you will stand strong. Doesn't mean you're not going to get rained on and battered, but you will stand strong in the midst of the storm. But he says, if you don't listen, rains are going to come, floods are going to come, and you're going to get knocked flat. Because you've been living by your own wisdom and strength. I don't want to live by my wisdom and strength. I want to live by his wisdom and strength. So uh, what do you say other than, let's be people of the word. Let's not be people who say, I feel obligated. You're not obligated to read the word of God. It doesn't save you. You don't get saved because you read the word of God. You grow because you, learn, you, you spend time in the word of God and let it shape you. And it's not to learn it just to get a whole bunch of knowledge in your head. We interact it, we, we live in it, we rest in it. We sit with it, we read until something speaks to us, and we sit and we say, God, what are you saying to me? We read it devotionally, and God uses that to form us into the people he intends for us to be. Amen? Let's pray together.
Thank you, Father, for the gift of your word. Thank you for the gift of your word. Lord, in a world where we don't feel like we fit a lot of times, you've given us your word to show us what's up and what's down, what's right and what's wrong. You've given us yourself. Jesus, you are the word. And Lord, we ask you, we surrender to you this morning. We ask that as we have read the word about the word, that, that would be, there would be a shaping that would go on right now. There would be this, this inspiration in our soul. Let's say, you know what? Maybe I've got a little slack. Maybe I've not understood the, the, the necessity. Maybe I spend more time asking somebody else what they think instead of saying, God, what do you say? And Lord, I pray this for your church family here and those watching online. That Lord, we would live in the book. We would live in your word. We'd let your word inform us and conform us into the beautiful image of Jesus. Becoming men and women that reflect your goodness and your glory and your love. Lord, our our lives will be changed, that there would be decisions in our life, and all of a sudden we'd come across something and you'd speak to us. Your spirit would illuminate it in our heart. And we'd go, oh, that's how I should act. That's what I should do. That's how I should consider somebody more important. That's how I should reveal love. Father, help us, help us, help us to become people formed by the truth of your word. Now maybe we're here today, just having this private moment right now. And I just gave this little brief thing from what Peter said today. that says the the way to come into the family of God, into the kingdom of God. Scripture would go on to say the way we have our sins forgiven and we get the, the, the righteousness of Jesus put on our heart and all the junk of the world washed away and we become brand new people now, living stones in the kingdom, Peter says. Living stones in the temple of God. That you look at your life and you'd say, that's not me. I'm not, I'm not in the family of God. I'm not, I'm not a living stone. I don't live by the word of God. And maybe you didn't know you could or should. But today something's happening inside of your heart. The word of God by the spirit of God is doing what only the word of God and the spirit of God can do. He is convincing you that you need him. He's pulling you into his family. Are you ready to say yes to Jesus? You're ready to say, Jesus, I need you as my Savior. And I've been living my life as me being my own God, but I recognize that I'm not a very good God. (laughs) And I need the creator of the universe, the God of all eternity, to be my God. I need the Son of God, Jesus, 
to lead and guide me and forgive me and make me brand new. If that's you today, I'm not trying to coerce you in any way. I'm just saying it's the Spirit of God doing a work inside your soul right now and saying, yes, this is for you. Matter of fact, you know it, but it's you. If that's so, I want to give you a chance, an opportunity to respond to God. We're going to do it this way. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to embarrass you. Everybody's just in prayer. No one's even looking around. I'm the only one. You say, Pastor Mark, today I'm ready to say yes to Jesus. I'm not sure what that all means, but I'm ready to say I need Jesus and I'm going to, give, I'm going to, I'm going to come to him. I ask him to become my savior based on the word of God. I want you to do something. When I see your response, I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want you to respond in a way. I want you to say, I'm, I'm, yes, I want to do this. That's you. I just want you to, right now, just raise up your hand. When I see your hand, I'm going to tell you to put it down. I'm not going to, I'm not going to say you at all. Okay. Okay, anybody else? Number of hands. Just one more second. Anybody else say yes? Okay. Okay. One more moment. I just really felt we should do this today. I'm going to invite everybody in this place to pray a prayer together. Those of you who all said yes to Jesus, I want you to pray. There's nothing magical about these words. We're just going to talk to God. And I'm going to have the whole church family talk to God together. And I'm going to invite you to join in and pray. You're not talking to me. You're not talking to the person next to you. You're right now, you're just talking to God. Because he's here in this moment. You feel his presence. That's why you responded. He pulled you. He said, I want you to be mine. And so I'm going to invite you just to pray this simple prayer with us. Everybody pray it aloud. Dear Jesus, I need you. I want you. Come into my life. Jesus, you know me. You know my junk. You know my hurts. You know my pain. And today, I give it all to you. And I ask you, help me start brand new. Help me start a life where you are Lord. And where I am not Lord. On this day, Lord Jesus, I surrender my heart. I surrender my life follow you and I ask you lead me guide me by your grace so on this day I say yes to you Jesus you are my Lord you are my Savior Amen those of you who said yes to Lord Jesus today I sound like a broken record around here when I say this, but I have to say it every time. You have, you have literally changed your life for eternity. You've started on a path. The Bible says it like this, that no matter how, what your biological age is, when you say yes to Jesus, you come like it says being born again is one of the word pictures, like you're a brand new baby being born. And that, that's now, what's the baby do? He's going he's gonna to cry for the milk of the word of God, Right? 
And so what I want you to know this, the Bible says that when you come to Jesus, it says this in the Bible, it says there's a party in heaven that goes on and the angels are celebrating. It says the angels celebrate more, rejoice more over one person who says yes to Jesus, comes back to Jesus than 99 who are already there. So there are, that means there's, there's myriads of angels having celebrations right now because I believe God's word to be true. Celebrating this, this, you saying yes to what God was doing in your life. And I'm going to ask you to do something. If you said yes to Jesus today, before you put your head on the pillow tonight, I'm going to suggest to you that you tell somebody that you know is a follower of Jesus. And if you came here, you probably are maybe with somebody who is a follower of Jesus. If not, come tell me, call me in the phone, do whatever, and say, you know what, today, Sunday morning, I said yes to Jesus. I'm going to start following him. Why? Why would you do that? Because you say, well, it's my private life. The pastor said, close your eyes. I did that for you to have an opportunity for, for privacy. You weren't worried about exterior things. But here's the deal. Being a Christian is not a private thing. Being a Christian is a family. You be, Go ahead, give the Lord a hand. You become part of a family. You become part of a family. We are your family. If you live here, welcome home. You're in your family. You live somewhere else, talk to me. I'll help you find a great church family somewhere. They're all over the place. And so you're part of a family, so you're helping that other person know, hey, they're part of the family. And also doing this, it's kind of cementing it into your soul. So that when, when the winds came and the floods come, like Jesus said would happen, you're going to say, was it really real? Was I being emotional? You weren't being emotional because this wasn't an emotional moment at all. I didn't jack you up at all. I didn't twist your emotions at all. It's real. The Holy Spirit did a work inside of you. He's doing a work. And you're going to say, no, 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 no. I called Bill. I called Sally. I called John. And we talked about it. On this day, I said, I'm all in. You've just made the most life-changing decision in your entire life that lasts from now through all of eternity. You can walk with a skip in your step because Jesus is your Savior and Lord. And let what come, come what may, Jesus is going to carry you through every day of your life. Amen, church? It's true, isn't it? Is it true? Yes, it's true. So let's stand together. Let's stand together. Close our time with a great blessing over all of you. Not a blessing from me, a blessing from the Word of God. Right? We let the Word of God inform us and shape us. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. God bless you, friends. I'd say this. If you said yes to Jesus today, also come talk to me about getting baptized. The Bible says that's the next step. You don't have to wait any time at all. God bless you. If you want prayer, we're here to pray with you. Otherwise, have a wonderful day in Jesus. We love you. Bye-bye.